babies for president. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not giving them any context. I'm starting with that. (laughs) Anyway. Hello. (laughs) Hello. And welcome to the intro to the intro (laughs) to a replay of Bible-ish. I'm Lily. Oh. (laughs) And and, I'm Angela. Why do I have a cockney accent? (laughs) And, Uh. um... We're not here to tell you anything. (laughs) It is December. And if you have been listening to our podcast for a while, you know that that means it is Jesus season. Where we tell you stories from the New Testament. But not just any story. Not just any stories. (laughs) Anna Karenina. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) What we are attempting to do is to tell a linear version of Jesus's story. That means I have to flip back and forth between all of the books in the New Testament from the four apostles that tell the story of Jesus's life to try and come up with a linear version. It is somewhat difficult, but that has been the attempt. Uh, So, We are going to be picking up where we left off for our next episode. But we wanted to give you guys a special December treat from deep in the archives of Bible-ish. Yeah, this episode is actually only findable if you are part of our Patreon or or not. So imagine what else you're missing. (laughs) So you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, no, that's actually, I was, I I was, that is the only way to find it. Um, It is no longer available on public platforms. So I'm excited to give this to you as a special treat. We deserve a treat. We do. Damn it. Um, It's one of my favorite episodes ever, actually. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Because. Your ship is here. <laughs> okay, gotta go. That's my COVID cruise <laughs> pulling into the harbor. Ugh, as I was saying, it's one of my favorite ever episodes because I really love the story behind the story. Uh, and that's a little bit of what you get. We talk about, you know, the real origins of Christmas and general winter festivities we've done a lot of minisodes about pagan holidays this year so yes yeah the pagan roots of christian traditions when it comes to the practice of their religion yeah and also i will say i like i think prior to doing this episode i knew a couple things that i thought i was like oh yeah i know christmas is not really like christian it's always like taken for pagan i thought i knew i thought i knew i didn't know I didn't know until you told me. (laughs) It was so much deeper and crazier than I could have ever known. And yeah, that's why I love this episode. So I'm excited for everyone to hear it. We hope you enjoy. 
Um, if you would like to prepare for our new episode, which will come out on Christmas Day, you can go back and listen to last year's part one and two of our Christmas extravaganza, um, because that is the last installment in this linear progression that Lily has been building. Yes. That is also phenomenal. Have an excuse to go do when you're feeling trapped with your family or something to do if you are not going to be trapped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Of your just own free will, maybe. I don't to. know. Yeah, yeah, just of your own free will. Something just because you <laughs> love us, okay? Just because we want to spend Christmas together, okay? All God. right, so let's all have fun at Christmas right now. Everyone smile. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy the episode. Yeah, say cheese. A Bible studies show. Whoa! What up is Ruth? And she fell on her face. Oh no! <laughs> okay, so she and Ruth are kicking it in Bethlehem to come unto a people. Oh my god! Without the Lord. So she's like, "Don't text him. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee." I'm surprised because it's weird. Good thing I have the whole Bible memorized. Oh my gosh, that looked so scary. Like one of those cabbage patch dolls that could magically eat food that returned to the spoon. <laughs> do, you, do you remember those? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. It could eat peas. Well, the peas went back. But the peas went back. Just back into the spoon like magic. It made it look like they ate it. How did that happen? Magnets. Mm. I think you just said magnets, because that's science. Well, I'm just going to eat cookies throughout this episode. Is that okay? That's why they're there. Do you have a um, fun Christmas memory? Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see you there. Greet the people, Lily. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see you over there. Uh, hello, and welcome to Biblish. The podcast where we tell Bible stories. I'm Lily. I'm Angela. And neither of us are religious experts, but we aren't here to tell you a moral. We're here to tell you a story. This week is part, part two, two of, of the, the Christmas, Christmas story. story. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like those are my first words. I love doing this. <laughs> this is my favorite. As I was saying before we were interrupted. <laughs> By ourselves. Do you have a Christmas memory you'd like to share? I have... I have a few obnoxiously perfect Christmas memories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, like, do you ever know... Annoy me. Do you ever know, like, has this ever happened where you're like, I'm going to say this and everyone's going to hate me? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I got a pony for Christmas. Everyone calm down. I know what it sounds like. I know. I know. And it is what it sounds like. Oh, my goodness. Um, I sometimes forget that about you. Yeah. And it's just, oh, my goodness. Every I, girl's dream. Yeah. And it was this horse that I really loved at the stable where my mom worked and the owner 
just liked me a lot. And it was like a really old horse that she was basically done with. And she was like, she can have it. And I'll, t- wow. I'll take care of it and everything. Just I want her to have the experience. And I was like, holy balls. Um, yeah. <laughs> I loved that horse so much. And I only got to have her for like six months uh, because then just life changes and I couldn't go back there. But I would like paint her hooves. I had horse nail polish. There's horse nail polish? Oh, yeah. Because you have to paint their hooves anyway with like a special stuff to keep them like hydrated so they don't crack. Um, But they had one that also had glitter in it that was like a veneer. (laughs) You know I did it. You know I was braiding her hair every day. Oh, I know that. (laughs) Um, My little pony. I was obsessed with her. I tried to teach her. I would teach her how to like follow me around like a dog. It was amazing. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, it was real amazing. And then another year, my dog had puppies on Christmas morning. <gasps> How magical! Yeah, we Angela, named the first you one Rudolph. Such a magical animal life. <laughs> I know. My whole childhood was animals. <laughs> <laughs> we named the first one Rudolph, obviously. Oh. Um, and the rest of them were just like silly names. You and didn't go with the whole reindeer gang? No, because I really wanted to name one Oliver, which is the one that I kept. Aww. Yeah. So those are my two most obnoxious but magical Christmas stories that I have. <laughs> that is magical. There was also the year my dad di- uh, didn't understand what stockings were, which was cute, where he hand wrapped. What did he think they were? Well, he just he just thought it was a bunch of small stuff in a sock, which is true. Uh, and so he hand wrapped like mini Halloween size candy with wrapping paper. So I just had to open like 40 miniature Halloween candies. (laughs) And like wrapped like 40 of them. Yeah. And like a hairbrush. He was like, Merry Christmas. I was like, thanks dad. (laughs) I wonder how long that took him. Probably a very long time. So you'd have to unwrap it and then unwrap it and (laughs) And then eat it. (laughs) It was really cute. What's like some of your favorite Christmas memories, Lillian? Um, I have a recent favorite Christmas memory, fairly recent. I went home to Minnesota to visit my family. It was back before my mother retired. So she had a, a call that she had to make to Korea on Christmas Eve because they don't have it was it's not like a, a holiday where they'd be like, you it's not be a working. work holiday right. in Korea. Okay. And so um she had she had this call she had to make and we had our whole family over. And she was like, It's only gonna be a 30 minute call. So I would love if you could keep everyone comfortable and entertained so they don't think that they have to leave because I have to make this call. And I was like, no problem. I'm on it. Call me Lily Comfort and Entertainment. (laughs) I got this. And so I'm entertaining. I'm making people comfortable. I'm pouring drinks, getting conversations going. And then my little cousin is like, um, you guys. And I just like, hold on. I'm... (laughs) I'm in the middle of this bit. And, <laughs> and she points over my shoulder and I turn around and the centerpiece is on fire because oh the candle had gone down all the way and it was a synthetic centerpiece and it was in flames. And so I grabbed it and I put it in the sink to put out the fire and 
there was all this smoke. So the smoke alarm went off because there oh was a God. fire. So that's fair. My mom's in this conference call in the other room and she comes out with the phone on mute and just gives me like this, what the hell is going on face? And I'm fanning the fire alarm with a Christmas <laughs> dish towel. <laughs> Being like, it's like just entertaining, <laughs> just making sure everything, everyone is feeling comfortable nice and, and cozy. entertained. <laughs> One job, Lily. <laughs> Don't set the house on fire while I have this call. <laughs> oh my god, that's so perfect. There was also uh, Christmas where. My family went all out with Santa Claus and they had someone like stomp on the roof of the house to what? make it sound like they had land like he had landed and then um he came in through the front door and gave us all presents. He was dressed as Santa and I got a tutu, a pink tutu that year. What? Yeah. That's magical. It was really magical. I was told by my school bully that there was no Santa. Shaking my head. And then there was this conversation that they had with the children in the after school program where this happened. They had a little conference and they were like, listen, I know you're all old enough to know that Santa isn't real, but we're not supposed to say things like that in front of the younger kids. And I was like, yeah, I, I knew. I, I knew too. I totally already didn't just figure that out. Yeah, I'll keep that secret for sure. <laughs> I was so upset. I was. Yeah. I cried so hard. Yeah. I loved believing in Santa Claus. And all the magic stuff. Yeah. 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 So screw you, Libby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wherever you are. Wherever you are. Probably telling your kids that Santa's real. Yeah. Hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> Lily's out here, out depressed. <laughs> Still. <laughs> uh, but like... I, I was always confused because I knew about Jesus. I knew about him. I saw him around. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you know, on crosses. Uh, crucifix. You know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yes. I never understood how any of that had to do with anything. I was like, what is an Easter bunny to do with Jesus coming back to life like a zombie? And what does Santa have to do with Jesus being born? Is Santa Jesus but old? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really glad that you asked that, Angela. Yeah. Because I think that's the perfect place to start our story. <gasps> Santa? Did Santa land on the manger? <laughs> Is Santa the North Star? No, whatever star they were following. I don't know which star. We know. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we both... Just want to start off by singing Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas and, and Happy Holidays. Hol- <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Let's do, let's do one more time. Though, so, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. I, can't look- <laughs> I can't look at you. I can't even have you in my peripheral. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. I think it's passed. <sighs> Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas and, and Happy Holidays. holidays. Uh, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. December 25th is Jesus's birthday. Except just kidding. Jesus was actually born in the spring. Do you remember when I told you about Samhain, which the church turned into All Saints Day in order to get the pagans on board? Yeah. It was an important time of the year for them, and the church had to somehow incorporate its own story into these significant events and seasons, which the pagans had a strong connection to. I love that. They, they love seasons. They loved seasons. Bitches love seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Like Samhain, there is another holiday the Germanic people celebrated that was extremely significant. It was called Yule. Mm. It took place on the darkest part of the year during winters that we can no longer fully relate to in our modern society. A cold, hungry dark that humanity will always carry as a lasting primordial fear. Whoa, that's deep. <laughs> yeah, man. It was important to be inside and together during Yule, not just to feast after having to live off winter rations or to stay warm during the coldest part of the year, but because that night, the ethereal horde would descend from Asgard. On the night of Yule, the wild hunt begins, and the white-bearded god Odin leads his black army of huntsmen over the river and through the wood. What? <laughs> Lily. 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 Yes. Lily. Yes. Asgard? Yeah. That's not from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Lord of the Rings way heavily borrowed and sometimes just straight up stole. Right. From Norse mythology. Incred. That's super cool. Also terrifying. Yes. So Santa's uh, terrifying. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just confirming. <laughs> there are some recordings from northern European regions from people who could see or hear the wild hunt off in the distance, the grunts and bellows of the beasts they rode, and the cries of the undead huntsmen. Odin was god of the dead, and winter was his time. Death was everywhere, except for the lush green boughs of the pines. Yes, Christmas trees are Germanic, too. Trees were sacred, and they were treated with the same reverence they paid Yggdrasil, the tree of life, which connected all the worlds and determined the fate of humans and gods alike. Most of the Christmas traditions we have actually come from Yule celebrations. For example, the ancient Germanic people also decorated with red and green, albeit the red trimmings were predominantly done in blood. Friends, family, and neighbors would gather around a fire and sacrifice a pig. Its blood would be splashed onto the walls and the entire pig would be consumed in recognition of the goddess Freya, Bors being one of her symbols. I feel cheated. This Christmas is awesome. <laughs> this Christmas is terrifying. So much cooler. <laughs> the sacrifice was a plea to her to usher in a swift and bountiful spring. Because she was kind of like the Norse 
uh, Aphrodite slash Persephone. Ham is still a featured dish during Christmas, and we still honor trees and decorate our homes in red and green. We gather round the lights we have forced into the cold darkness and wait out the night together. Odin may have received a pretty severe makeover, but children are still encouraged to stay indoors and not try to look on the bearded man who visits the mortal realm on the night of Yule, driving his herd of enchanted beasts through the dark. Lily! This is way cooler. A super metal Christmas. Although Jesus was not born during the winter solstice, the church knew they would need an equally significant occurrence for that time of year, so they chose the birth of Jesus. They may have been attempting to counter the theme of death by making it a story of life and birth in hopes of negating many of the pagan rituals. But like Easter and Halloween, they have endured nonetheless. There is even one tradition that has recently resurfaced. Can you guess what it is? Recently resurfaced tradition. The? All right. I'm going to start saying the older tradition or belief, and then you shout it out if you can figure it out. Okay. In ancient times, there was an elf-like creature that resided in your home. Elf on a shelf. Yes. No. (laughs) Creepy. Please continue. This is so terrifying. In in ancient times, there was an elf-like creature that resided in your home, the house spirit. During Yule, children had to place porridge out for the elf or it would bring mischief and mayhem down on their household. Elf on the shelf is the belief that there is a mischievous elf residing in your home who children must appease by showing obedience, or it will tell the All-Father, God of death and seer of all that is good and evil. Or Santa Claus. (laughs) He sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake, Lily. I knew something was not... you've been bad or good. (sighs) I knew something wasn't right about him. I knew it. I knew it. Albeit, there is a St. Nicholas, who Santa Claus is allegedly modeled after, but most of what we know of him is rumor and legend. He was born in Greece in an ancient maritime city back when Rome ruled the world. Nicholas is the patron saint of sailors, merchants, archers, repentant thieves, prostitutes, children, brewers, and pawnbrokers. He had a tendency to secretly give gifts. Huh. There is a popular story about three girls whose families were going to sell them into prostitution. At night, St. Nick, he dropped sacks of coins through the window of their homes until the families each had a dowry for them so that they could be married instead. Oh. He may have also calmed a sea, saved three prisoners from wrongful execution, and chopped down a demonic tree. Note a potential rebranding of the Yule tree here, turning the sacred into something malevolent. Uh, I'm just he was insidious. Im- <laughs> he was imprisoned by a Roman ruler who didn't like priests, freed by his predecessor who did like priests, and was then defrocked for some time for slapping a heretic. Yep. Maybe. You know. Okay. This is all rumor and legend. There is another legend of him resurrecting three children who had been murdered by a butcher and pickled in brine in an attempt to sell them as pork during a famine. Note yet another potential rebranding here. Ew. And also, 
Ew. Yeah. <laughs> There's some salty children gross. when they come back together. How, t- like, come on. Reverse pickle. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they started a band afterwards called Reverse Pickle. Brycumbio Roberto. <laughs> it's a ska band. They toured the Middle East. It's fine. Refer- reverse pickle is such a good ska <laughs> band name. Do, 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 do. Uh, it's fine. They were fine. They all lived fine after that. I'm sure they weren't scarred at all. <laughs> Can't just bring people back from the dead with no consequences, Nick. <laughs> if all these rumors are true, St. Nicholas is a pretty amazing guy. Certainly impressive enough to rival Odin. If you don't know much about who Odin is. Yeah. But little pagan children aren't going to embrace him unless he looks familiar. Enter Dead Moroz, a pagan character from Slavic mythology who we know as Father Frost. Yeah. This imagery would broaden the church's reach over not one, but two prominent pagan cultures. So by the power of Odin, the charity of St. Nicholas, and the image of dead Moroz, we created Santa Claus. But it didn't stop there. Here is an excerpt from the Coca-Cola website. Frankenclaws. Copyright. We probably can't use that. (laughs) (laughs) The Santa Claus we all know and love, that big jolly man in the red suit with the white beard, didn't always look that way. In fact, many people are surprised to learn that prior to 1931, Santa was depicted as everything from a tall, gaunt man to a spooky-looking elf. He has donned a bishop's robe and a Norse huntsman's animal skin. In fact, when Civil War cartoonist Thomas Nast drew Santa Claus for Harper's Weekly in 1862, Santa was a small elf-like figure who supported the Union. (laughs) (laughs) Nast continued to draw Santa for 30 years, changing the color of his coat from tan to the red he's known for today. What I'm trying to insinuate is this. Although I may have made it sound like the Catholic Church officials sat down one day for a massive rebranding project, it was actually all of us throughout time. The Church dissipated a lot of the fear that came with Yule time, creating a safe space that highlighted the charitable and magical aspect of the holiday. And we all ran with that. We kept what we valued, changed what we didn't, and we are still doing that to this day. You hear a lot of people getting really defensive about terminology around the holiday season, saying things like, it's Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays. Christmas time is about Jesus. And please don't send me angry letters for saying this, but it's not entirely about him. It's about us as humans. That's why God came to earth as Jesus to honor humanity and highlight its greatest aspects in an attempt to make us better. The holidays are a celebration of the best of us. Charity, loyalty to friends and family, and perseverance during the most challenging time of year. We are all our best selves during the holiday season, and that's what we should be honoring. Ding! (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that much about Jesus yet, but that was always a confusion of mine, is that I'm like, people seem to be into 
this guy and what he represents, he seems more accepting. He probably would be fine if people didn't believe in him as long as they weren't bad. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm going to stop gushing about pagan traditions now, and I'm going to tell you more about Jesus. Great. I'm going to finish chewing this communion cookie. Okay. <laughs> I kind of tried to tailor this episode to you, actually, so that it can give you more of an idea of his character, because I know you mentioned before how you don't know much about his life. Mm -mm. So I kind of tried to show you a bit of a snapshot. He had 11 friends and one guy who... That's all I know. Oh, I can't. I'm so excited <laughs> to tell you about how they were actually very good friends. Oh, it's God. horrible. It's yeah. going to break my freaking heart. <laughs> it's going to break my heart, Lily. I can't. Yeah. Um, the story of Judas breaks my heart as well. Well, we're not even but there yet because he's not born. Uh, he's, he's barely born. I just can't get through this story. So <clears throat> he's a baby. He's a baby still. Where we left off. Mary gave birth to Jesus. The three kings slash wise men came to pay tribute to him. They had been instructed by King Herod to tell him his whereabouts, but the wise men didn't feel he had the best intentions. Instead of returning to Herod, they returned home. An angel visits Joseph to tell him that they have to go to Egypt because Jesus is in danger. There are three prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, that he will rise out of Bethlehem, that he will be called forth from Egypt, and that he will be called a Nazarene. 1.5 of the prophecies have been fulfilled. <laughs> he was born in Bethlehem, and his family has just left for Egypt. The angel was right. Jesus certainly was in danger. Herod realized that the three kings had performed some sort of stealth operation and vanished. <laughs> None of his scouts saw him on the path he had given, or in town, Herod tugged at his Caesar is great t-shirt, wringing it in his hands. There was a king somewhere out there in his kingdom, a king of the Jews and of kings, the Lord of lords, but a baby nonetheless. Stuff and nonsense, he muttered to himself. <laughs> Just a bunch of hocus pocus. He chewed his lip. If they had been priests from the east, it would have been one thing, but it was kings who had come, wise men, all following prophecies he vaguely knew. Nothing had happened for a hundred years. Why would it happen now? Because now there were three kings, all following one star. This is treason, he said to himself against my station, and therefore against the Roman Empire. It is punishable by death. Ugh. An edict was declared, which echoed that of the one Pharaoh gave during Moses' time. All males under the age of two in the land of Bethlehem would be killed. Get row. Angela. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes, Scoobs! <laughs> Really gonna cut that. It's fine. <laughs> Why? Sounds like a rut row to me. <laughs> I mean, we know how that goes. Not nice. A prophecy given years ago by Jeremiah had been fulfilled. Don't don't worry. You don't know who that is yet, so don't feel like Jeremiah. <laughs> he was a bullfrog. <laughs> <laughs> he was a great friend of mine. 
Oh, you do know him. Never mind. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Angela. He's a bullfrog? Yes. The bullfrog prophet. <laughs> <laughs> the great frog king has spoken. That's what he's known as. No. No, don't look at me I'm like... I'm not... Look, you want I that believe to be true too I badly, and I need to, to shut be, it down. No, <laughs> refuse. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Period. Oh no. Anyway, about <clears throat> my friend Jeremiah. Good friend of mine. Where was I? Bullfrog. A prophecy given by him. <laughs> That one. (laughs) Had been fulfilled. The morning of Rachel's children. It had warned that a tragedy would occur, one so great, that Rachel would weep from beyond the grave for the sons of her children, tearing her hair and beating her breasts inside her tomb. Oh, no. These were her children, and they all cried out in one voice, Rachel's voice, as they mourned the loss of their sons. Jose Saramago does a beautiful job. Oh, did you want to say something because you're making such a face? <laughs> no, it's <Okay>. just sad. <laughs> it's sad. Jose Saramago does a beautiful job in the gospel according to Jesus with this scene. He describes Joseph overhearing the soldiers lamenting their orders and the terror he felt learning of their plan. He wants to run to Mary, but realizes he can't make a scene. He feels an immense sorrow knowing what he knows while not being able to warn anyone. If he did, there would be mayhem, and he wouldn't have enough time to get his family out. He carries the guilt of that event with him for the rest of his life, just like Abraham did for Isaac. Shaking with terror and relief, Mary and Joseph made their way to Egypt. Bethlehem to Cairo is a 149-hour walk down Route 90. What? The trip probably took around a week, since there probably wasn't a a Route 90 back then. You don't think? So let's give it a week. Alexa! (laughs) (laughs) How awesome would it be if there was a GPS through time, and you could be like, would I survive? Oh, never mind. I want to make a game that's like the Oregon Trail, but it's the Silk Road. And you go through the desert, through beautiful, exotic lands. But then it's like, camel, watch out. Yeah. Whoa. Or you've got scorpions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Alternate podcast idea, GPS through time. Yeah, if you're like, could I could I even just get from New York to Philadelphia? And they were like, highwaymen, 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 sorry. Yeah. You didn't survive the third highwayman. Yeah, next show. When we run out of Bible. <sighs> Am I done with the Bible yet? Where was I? <laughs> you're not done. Jesus was born. <laughs> <laughs> seems like the middle. <laughs> this seems like the middle of the story. <laughs> uh... Mary, Joseph, and their child stayed in Egypt for as long as it took Herod to die. Oh. Which wasn't too long. Yeah. Let's say a small number of years. 
After his death, the angel came to Joseph in a dream and told him he could go back now. Uprooted again, they left for the land of Judah. On their way, Joseph learns through the grapevine that Herod's son is now king. This makes him extremely nervous. He doesn't think too highly of that family. And you never know what hatreds get passed down from father to son. Mm. Instead of returning to Judah, he redirects them toward the land of Galilee to a little place called Nazareth. Nazareth. I knew because of the prophecy. Yes, they were welcome (laughs) there, and Jesus grew up among its people. All three prophecies had now been fulfilled, born in Bethlehem, brought forth from Egypt, and called a Nazarene. There was no going back. There was no stopping it now. The fates had him in their grasp, and his true destiny could begin. I think one of the reasons we cling to the Christmas story and frame it in the way we do, the serene Norman Rockwell sort of staging, is because we all know how the story ends. Spoilers, Jesus dies. We know that his story is monumentally influential and inspiring, but we also know that it is a tragedy. I feel the human psyche sort of collectively clings to this moment at his birth when his character arrives, and his only role is to be present here on earth. Also, I do not know of any other gods, and please correct me if I'm wrong, who were born as human infants into the mortal realm. In Greek myth, there are demigods and deified mortals, but this was something relatively or completely new. Yeah. When Jesus was a small child, Strange little things would happen every now and then, and like any good mother of a supernatural child, Mary did her best to maintain normalcy in his life. She tried to teach him what was right, what was wrong, and what he maybe shouldn't do because it would freak people out. Like, (laughs) maybe don't turn rocks into birds, and don't make your neighborhood friend perform extreme stunts just because you have the power to resurrect him. These stories are not included in the Bible. I think it's because it confuses the belief that he is God. One would assume he already knows what's right and wrong, and how his powers should be implemented. There is one story of his childhood that they kept, however, when he's around the age of 12. And that's the day Jesus disappeared. Not poof, disappeared. Even though he maybe could have done that to baby. (laughs) But Mary couldn't find him. He never came home from the Passover feast they attended. It somehow took Mary and Joseph one whole day to realize he was not with them. They ran frantically to their friends and neighbors to see if he was with them, but he was gone. Mary returned to Jerusalem where the Passover feast had been held. She was prepared to turn the whole town upside down, but then she heard the young voice of her little son. And then I said, and then I was like, no, you go first. Then he died. (laughs) But it's fine. (laughs) No, just jump. I didn't turn you into a bird fast enough. Let me try again. Jesus! (laughs) She heard the young voice of her little son. 
She walked toward the temple and saw a group of men surrounding him. Her heart began to race, but then she realized they were all engaged in a religious discussion and philosophical debate. Doctors, lawyers, and priests were all answering his many questions and delighted in his understanding and rebuttals. They had gone from a teaching moment to a learning moment and was drawing a crowd. Mm. Who was this kid? This scene inspired one of my favorite Lead Belly songs that Langston Hughes either recorded to its full extent or extended himself in a compilation of gospel songs that he recorded in one of his books. It's called Little Boy, How Old Are You? 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 Sir, I'm only 12 years old. This little boy had them to remember. He was born the 25th of December. Doctors and lawyers were amazed and they had to give that little boy praise. Little boy, how old are you? Little boy, how old are you? Little boy, how old are you? Sir, I'm only 12 years old. Doctors and lawyers stood in wonder As though they had been struck by thunder Then they decided while they wondered that all mankind must come under. Little boy, how old are you? Little boy, how old are you? Little boy, how old are you? So I'm only 12 years old. Jesus! <laughs> what? Mom! Hi, Mommy! <laughs> Jesus, come here right now! Jesus H. Christ, you get over here. <laughs> is Mary's last name Christ? Okay, that's just a different question. <laughs> It is not. No. Mary and Joseph Christ. No. To whom it may concern. wasn't married to Jesus. <laughs> How's his last name, Christ? Anyway. Maybe there was a Mary Magdalene Christ, but... <gasps> Mary M. Christ. I have so many stories to tell you, Angela. Yes. So many stories that are just not in there that are like, this is part of the problem. Anyway. Hi, Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. What are you doing out here? The crowd says... Calm down, lady. He's fine. Don't you talk to me like that. First of all, I am a woman. Woman. Calm down. Tone police. Mary must have boiled over internally. Her son, the son of God, had been missing for over a day. They might not have recognized the rage behind Mary's masterful composure, but Jesus sure did. <laughs> he knew that face. 
He had made her make that face before. <laughs> Everyone knows that face. Coming! <laughs> I gotta go because uh, my mom is um, calling me and I have to, I have to go now. Uh, thank you so much for watching, my son. Thank you. Mm, yes, thank you. Jesus <laughs> Christ, you get over here. <laughs> Mary held his hand in a vice grip as she walked away from the crowd. <laughs> If I told you one time, I told you a thousand times you don't go away from home without telling me. Jesus, you frightened us. <laughs> you probably shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain, Mom. <laughs> Scared me half to death. I was looking everywhere for you. Do you know how anxious I was? Why were you looking for me? Mary looked down at him with a fiery brow. <laughs> Didn't you know I would be at my father's house? Mary was a little floored by this, and somewhat moved, but it was her job, at least while she was able, to put her foot down. She pulled him toward her and stooped down to his level. You may be the son of God, but you are still a twelve-year-old boy. You belong to Joseph and I. But, Mom, I, did God give you explicit orders to stay behind and make a scene in the temple? No, but that's funny, because God gave me explicit orders to take care of you. And I can't do that if you run off. Are you going to make me go back on my word to God? Mary may be a saintly figure, but she is still a mother, and therefore a master of manipulation over her own son, for now at least. I'm sorry, Mommy. Mary relaxed. Their paces slowed and her grip loosened. I'm sure, somehow, God will make it known to us when my promise has been fulfilled. Until then, Joseph is your father and you obey us. Now begins the Bible time lapse where all of a sudden Jesus goes from being a child to being a full grown man. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> um, but why? <laughs> this is what you were talking about with like stories that probably would confuse people and freak them out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have read summaries of those stories and um, editing is a hard job, Angela. I will say that. And yeah. I feel like different time periods would always edit it differently. Yeah. According to what they need to convey or what they feel needs to be conveyed, rather. Yeah. Treat it like the sacred, unchangeable canon. Properly's pre Kill a Mockingbird. Not like rewriting the, I mean like editorially. Yeah. Anyway, that's what we're doing right now. So. Back to our work. Back to our job. Of rewriting the Bible. Yeah. Because none of that dialogue is in it. <laughs> really? <laughs> Mary didn't walk over and say, Jesus H. Christ, you get over here <laughs> in the Bible. Hi, Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> all right. Bible timeless. What's the sound effect for um, instantly becoming 20 years older? Boy, oy, 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 oing. <laughs> Boy, oy, 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 oing. <laughs> you see him grow out of his body into a full man. Oh. <laughs> Are you okay after that time lapse? Yeah, I had to catch up. All right. <laughs>
Definitely moisturized tonight. (laughs) Remember Mary's best friend, Elizabeth? Yeah. In our first Christmas story, she was told that she would give birth to a son who will aid Christ. Yeah. He'll be John the Baptist. Yeah. That is a large part of the reason she believed Mary immediately when she told her about the angel. Because it had just happened to her as well. It's crazy, man. John and Jesus are grown now. They are around the age of 30. John the Baptist is a desert preacher in the land of Judah. He is known for his fiery, apocalyptic sermons centered around the coming of Jesus. He has a camel hair coat and a belt around his waist. Ooh, fancy. Sometimes the Bible gives random physical descriptions and you're just like, Okay, that's cool. I'll see how that plays into this story later. And then it never does. Nope. It never does. Camel hair coat just sounds like fancy though. He was the the only time fancy? camel hair I don't I don't know if that's fancy. Can you ask Siri? Siri if camel hair is fancy. I don't know. She's sleeping. <laughs> that's fine. Like, can I have the wine? Where is it's by it? By your feet. By your feet, which here you go, which would have been washed if you were Jesus. <laughs> then again, we would have had a lot more wine because it would all be from water. Anyway, this is perfect. Oh no! What? I might have taken too much. You can dump some in my cup. It's fine. We're friends. We don't get each other's germs. Anyway, because they don't mention physical descriptions all the time i feel like i had to because it's part of the story but it's not anyway he also lives off of locusts and honey okay locusts only happen every like 13 years so he must be stockpiling them like a squirrel i'm sure you would be able to in a locust swarm gather a whole lot of locusts that's gross on the alone show that i watched this guy ate a grasshopper and he was so grossed out by it he toasted it over a fire and he was like no 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 this is so gross i can't do it and then he finally popped it in his mouth and he was like um that's weird that was like eating a tiny cheeseburger what yeah he was like i could literally roast up a bunch of of crickets and eat them like popcorn. Huh. So, I believe it. I don't know if I could deal with the legs, but if you don't like bugs, eat them. Anyway, locusts and honey. People came from far and wide to be baptized by John in the River Jordan in order to redeem themselves from the fiery end that he preached of. There are three major Jewish sects around this point in history. Here we go. There are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenists, and the Zealots, who are part of a minor sect. I did some research into this, and my generalized summary is this. The Pharisees and Sadducees were the larger sects, and they kind of got into bed with Rome. There was some rivalry between all of them for reasons that went beyond politics, but needless to say, John wasn't a fan of those two sects and didn't recognize the power they believed they had due to their political affiliations. He felt they had lost virtue and humility in their quest for Roman recognition. Got it. Makes sense. Okay, good. They're all wearing... Because I read this whole big long thing and I was like, okay, so... (laughs) 
No, yeah, they're all wearing Caesar's great t-shirts yeah. and they're like, yes. we love it. Yeah. Got it. They got the merch. One day, a group from these two sects came to visit John in the desert. And I'm going to summarize the spiel he gave them. <laughs> hey, you. Yeah, you. You brood of vipers. You think you're so great, don't you? Pretending like your shit won't hit the fan even though it's prophecy we all know. You better repent and know. I don't want to hear about how you are sons of Abraham because that story is old news. The axe is at the root of the trees now, boyos. Someone is coming who is more powerful than me and I won't even be fit to carry his sandals. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he will baptize you in fire. He's got a winnowing fork, so you'd better watch your back. Yikes. They all look at each other. A winnowing fork to separate the grain from the chaff. Duh. Silence. A winnowing fork. (laughs) Winnowing. I'm saying he's gonna winnow you. Y'all are shafts. And he's gonna collect the grain and burn everything else. The visitors scoffed and left. But not after being baptized by John the Baptist, because he is famous. And wouldn't it be fun to say I was baptized by John? Great conversation piece. They changed out their shirts for... (laughs) (laughs) On the back, it says, I was baptized by John. (laughs) I got baptized baptized by John, and all I got was this lousy (laughs) t-shirt. Jesus felt the same way they did. He, too, wanted to be baptized by John. He made his way to the desert to meet him. But when John saw him, he refused, not believing he was worthy. You want me to baptize you? You should be baptizing me, if anything. I mean, who am I when you are you? And who am I to baptize you? Jesus told him that that was very nice of him to say, but someone has to baptize him. John's mother was told that John would guide him down the righteous path. What better way to honor that than baptize him? And what good would it be for him to baptize someone when he isn't baptized himself yet? So John performed the extremely daunting task of baptizing Jesus Christ Whoa. in the River Jordan. Cool. Better. Wait in the water. Jesus was somewhat used to his celebrity status by this point. He had dealt with it throughout his childhood. When he was a baby, three kings from the far east came to see him. When he was eight days old, some guy named Simon rushed over to him after his circumcision and took him from Mary's arms. He was very old and waiting to die, but was told in a dream that he couldn't until he saw the Son of God. He held Jesus and thanked him for his release and for one day freeing Israel. Another woman named Anne, who was an elderly seer, sauntered over to him that same day and told him that he would redeem Israel. This was a common narrative in everyone's perception of Jesus. He would be the great redeemer. He would free his people from captivity, and the righteous would walk from the fire like Daniel from the furnace. They were used to the legends of the great kings David, and Solomon. It would be a new golden age, or so they thought. 
Now, in his adulthood, the people of Israel would slowly learn what God meant by redemption, and their preconceptions would be Jesus' downfall. He wasn't there to save them from Rome and rule the kingdom. He was there to save them from themselves. They had their own ideas about what it meant to be king of kings and lord of lords. In his adulthood, Jesus would spend the rest of his short life trying to explain the statement's figurative nature, not knowing that it would turn his people against him. For years, they had been waiting for the great redeemer of their people, and what they got was a redeemer of their souls. For so long, they had waited in anticipation for this great ruler, and what they would get was perhaps the least imperialistic person you could imagine. John had promised them all fire and brimstone, but what he had been warning them was of hell, a relatively new concept at this point. It was like, wait, what? What? Right now? (laughs) Like now? It was John's job to clear a path for Jesus and lead him down it. But it was perhaps the very groundwork he laid, which led to Jesus' end. John had cued the ominous band and stepped in front of the curtains to introduce Jesus the mighty king, who would strike fear into the hearts of all who were not righteous. He let loose the pyrotechnics. The crowd gasped in the light and heat of the flames. Then John pulled back the curtain, and there was a barefoot man in a tunic, smiling out at them, about to give a monologue about peace and love. But it's okay, because it's all part of God's plan, and Jesus is God, so he already knows what's going to happen, right? Lily... Lily, are you leaving us with a cliffhanger? Yes. Lily. Hey, mommy. (laughs) Damn. Yeah, okay, because, like, the fact that John even went so far as to be like, y'all are chaff and you're going to be burned. It's like, Jesus didn't say that. You said that. Jesus wants to come around and be like, peace, everyone, redeem themselves, we can all do better. Yeah. Hashtag do better, everyone. He's warning <clears throat> them of hell. And they are thinking that this is going to happen during their living lifetime. Mm. That's the misconception going on. That's why it was very difficult to come in after that sort of presentation. Yeah. That staging was perhaps not yeah, helpful. Yeah, that's like having a bad opener. To, like they were, they were thinking, and Herod especially thinking, King of Kings, he's going to overthrow me. But what it really meant was, all kings will worship him. All kings will will figuratively bow down to him, and that's what ends up dooming him. The fact that. That's what his people expected to happen, to be saved, to be independent, to be powerful, and to have all of these other people who are oppressing them eliminated. They're expecting David 
to ride in. And it's Jesus. And he's so opposite. Does that help you kind of understand a little more about who he is? Definitely. Yeah. Like, I think I've always, any impression I had of him was like a level of humility and um, not a character who would put himself above his people. Like, he's very much like with his people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see how they would all be like, we're waiting for the king. And he's like, I'm right behind you. Like, <laughs> like I'm not going to be up on that throne. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah. hanging out trying to like help on the ground. I'm not planning on wearing any crowns. Yeah. Well. It was mockery, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> um, um Spoilers. <laughs> Wow, Uh, Lily. And I want to just also quickly say that Jesus is a a difficult character for me uh, because he's so important. So I feel that there's this sort of quasi-untouchable aspect that I'm trying to work around. And I also don't know who he was. Right. Or, and who he is and who he's supposed to be. And that's something I struggled with growing up Catholic was understanding Jesus. And I guess I wasn't given room to understand his character and his relevance in this story on on my own or in my own way um, because it was it was always presented to you. It was staged. And so it's hard it's hard to talk about him in particular for all of those reasons because well thinking about him as a character that you can really give traits to I guess um what I'm trying to say more of is how I want to present him to you and how I want to present him on this podcast mm. when I'm so unsure about him yeah and that's a huge challenge for me yeah I mean I think that's the thing is that like we are here to tell the story as we have it and you do a great job of building character into the characters we already come across. And if he says a lot of stuff, we can just follow it. We just follow what he says. Just say what he says. Just say what he says, Lily. Okay. I'll say what they say he said. We don't have any other data. That's the thing. There's yeah. no other data to go off of. Uh, That's what's a bummer, man. Yeah. Yeah, but it's really cool, Lily. Really cool. Yeah. And that is the story of Christmas and Jesus's childhood. I think it would be cool to do a mini episode on some of the childhood stories that were uh, left out of the Bible. But now he's a grown up and we'll go from there when I'm ready to talk about Jesus again. (laughs) She's going to collect herself. (laughs) Uh, No, I find that really interesting. And like, I definitely didn't have as much of a connection to him growing up um, because I just saw like uh, Jesus in a picture book and I was like, he's the guy. That's the man. Jesus is the man. Like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like in the five books that I had that were like illustrated Bibles for children. And I was like, those are the worst. Literally, all I remember from them is the donkeys. 
I was Everyone like, ooh, donkey. Did, like, if you give a child, if you give a child cookie, <laughs> if you give a child an illustrated children's Bible, the only one they're ever going to remember is Noah's Ark because it has animals. Yes. So just get them an animal book because the whole book will be about animals. That's my parenting tip to you from a non-parent to <laughs> affirmative. I'm an expert. Yeah. So. Thanks for telling that story, Lily. You're so welcome, Angela. Thank um, you for listening. My pleasure for listening. As a reminder, two quick reminders. One, if you'd like to support the show and get some fun perks alongside that, we have a Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash Podcast. Another reminder is... <laughs> Leave us a review. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We love Yeah, reviews. just if you could, as a Christmas gift to us, take a little bit of time to leave a review, that would be amazingly helpful. We love them. And we are going to be taking a brief break for January to uh, let Lily recuperate from having to talk about <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and it is our annual uh sabbatical for planning our next year of bible yeah. <laughs> so uh there's plenty of time to catch up on any episodes you have missed what are what what do you think your favorite episode is so far lily i really had a lot of fun with daniel in coming up with the songs for that one and the ad that we did that was and amazing. um i really like that we got the opportunity to do Ruth again with our improved microphones and editing abilities. Totally. <laughs> uh, because that that story deserved another go. Yeah. I would also recommend uh, Solomon the Wizard King. Super fun. Cain and Abel is also really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, go back, listen to anything that you might have Maybe missed. Maybe the Genesis one. The Genesis one. Also... We have an episode called What is the Bible, uh, which is really helpful if you're like, wait, where did this come from? If you're, uh, if you're wondering what the Bible is, we'd highly recommend the episode What is the Bible? Yeah, we went in a time machine and actually went and looked for ourselves. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you can go back and listen to any and all of those and have fun with them and let us know your thoughts. And I just wanted to add that this is about a year and a half that we've been doing this show. It's so much fun. And in this time of Christmas, I just wanted to say that I'm so grateful for you as a friend, Lily. And in a way, it feels like there's not much I could say that I haven't already said to tell you how much I love you and how much I love doing this <laughs> and how much I appreciate all the work you put into this. But I will say that one of the greatest treasures of our friendship is that I feel like every year I learn something new about you and I just love you even more. Every year. I love you so much and I appreciate you as a friend and thank you so much for all the work that you put into this podcast. Yeah, well, I'm not the one that has to read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. And thanks to all our <clears throat> listeners. Special thanks to everyone in Wiley, Texas, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Austin, Newark, California, Bushwick, New York, Manhattan, New York. 
Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania, Seattle, Washington, and Long Beach, New York. Thank you for being our top listeners. You the best. You the best. <laughs> and then special shout out to the US of A, Canada, Australia, United Kingdom, Mexico, New Zealand, Sweden, Morocco, Spain, and the Netherlands. Hello. And hello in all the other languages you speak. <laughs> Probably English if they're listening Insert to us. Insert your hello here. <laughs> and also goodbye. We're going to leave you all with a Christmas song. Holiday song. We're going to leave you all with a song. See if you can spot the pagan remnants in this one. <laughs> Harp. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year all our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Next year, all our troubles will be miles away. Once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more. Someday soon we all will be together If the fates allow Hang a shining star upon the highest bough